possible to return to a fulfilling, challenging, successful career after a long career break? After listening to this story, we want your answer to be a resounding yes. I'm Anna. And I'm Karen. We're both coaches with Women Returners, the Return to Work Specialists. We work with employers and career returners to enable professionals to return to satisfying and fulfilling work after career breaks of 2, 5, 10 or even 15 years. And we're excited now to share some of their inspirational stories with you. On our Career Returners podcast, you'll hear from a diverse range of people sharing the ups and downs of their return to work journeys after taking long career breaks for childcare, eldercare, health or other reasons. After each story, Karen and I will chat over some of the key themes that emerged and share some of our top return to work tips. And a big thank you to Credit Suisse for supporting us to bring this podcast to life. Credit Suisse were one of the pioneering employers in supporting talented professionals to return to work after a career break. Their Real Returns program currently runs in the US, UK, India and Switzerland and offers returners a smooth transition back into the workforce. After listening to this episode, do head along to womenreturners.com where you'll find lots of advice, over 100 success stories and a range of return to work opportunities. And do sign up to our free network and Facebook group too for extra support and connection. And now, over to this week's guest. I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Laura Murphy. After an early career as a technology manager, Laura took a nine-year career break to raise her young family. She joined Sky's Returnship Programme in 2018 and today enjoys a challenging role as a programme manager within the data technology and analytics team. She credits her success in role to the combination of her underlying skills gained in her early career in consultancy with the rich blend of skills developed during her career break volunteering, both at her son's school PTA and as a director of a charity close to her heart. She feels she is 10 times the manager she would have been because of her career break. Laura, welcome. Thank you very much. So we'd love to hear a little bit about your early career, Laura, before you took your career break. Well, I guess it was quite conventional, really, in that I graduated from university, was looking for something fun and challenging to do. And I wanted desperately to move to London as well and be in the big city with all the bright lights. So I looked around and I've always been driven by continual learning of new things. I like a turnover of learning new things in the work that I do. So it seemed that management consultancy was a good fit for that, moving from clients, et cetera, et cetera. And so I joined Accenture, one of the big five management consultancies, and took a fairly straightforward career path from analyst in a graduate level right through to manager, which is then I when I took voluntary redundancy following the birth of my daughter. So that was essentially it, really. And I worked in a variety of companies across the communications and high technology sector and had a great time doing all those projects and moving from program to program and learning lots of new things on the way. Great. And it sounds like those first years of your career were, you know, pretty challenging, pretty fulfilling. What then prompted you to, to take your career break? Well, at that point, and I'm sure it's very different now, management consultancy as a career was not terribly supportive of work-life balance. So management consultancy is great and there's an intensity to the work and the um, work that you do, the collaborative team spirit that you build up through being off-site in a way. But with a young child, that's not really the life full balance that I wanted to have going forward. And I didn't want to feel that I was doing half a job on both fronts, right? I didn't want to feel that I was either not fully committing to work, work, paid employment, because I was leaving at the end of the day to relieve the nanny, or I couldn't be on the team site in the way that I needed to be. I was typically in very high client-facing roles. And I didn't want to feel either that I was not really getting the time 
that I wanted to enjoy with my daughter and to feel that I was missing out on those early years, which is not really why I kind of became a parent. So I kind of felt that I was going to be in this continual dilemma, given the work I did and the work that I enjoyed at that point, about feeling that I was falling in between both camps, really. So that's why I decided to take the voluntary redundancy following the birth of my daughter. And it also coincided with the market downturn. And so actually, there was lots of voluntary redundancy at that time. So I didn't necessarily feel it would be a long-term impediment to going back into the job market either. And so actually, it just all fell together quite nicely in that way. So that was why I just wanted to really take the time and enjoy my daughter when she was small. Great. And was it always your plan to take eight, nine years off? Oh, by no means, actually. Two years, possibly three, and then I'd be back in, <laughs> really. But often life takes us down this different path, doesn't it? Basically ended up buying a complete wreck for house and then staying at home while I have my daughter and doing it up. Then had another child and wanted to give him a similar experience to the one I'd given my daughter that felt like the right thing to do. So stayed at home with him. Then it turns out that my eldest was quite severely dyslexic. And so I, again, that involved quite a lot of time and just making sure she got the support that she needed and understanding her needs and making sure that those were worked through and she was getting everything she needed at school and in the provision outside of school as well. And then, so it became a question of then also just by the time all of that was done, my son was ready to start school and I wanted to help him settle in. He's a bit less socially confident than my daughter. So I wanted very much to be there for him when he started the transition. And so I finally got to the end of the reception and it was like, wow, okay, that's all done now. You know, in terms of providing that emotional um, support and the stability for them in all their different steps. And then it was really like, I got to the end of that year and I was like, I don't quite know what to do with myself. I have to, and now's the time actually to do something else and to engage the more work side. I always hasten to say that because it makes it sound like the home stuff isn't work and it isn't in the same way, but you know what I mean. We absolutely do know what you mean. (laughs) Absolutely. And with a blink of an eye, two years turns into nine years and you're there to sort of support the family. You talked a little bit about doing up your house. What skills and strengths do you think you developed during that nine-year career break? I think anybody who's managed to get their kids' shoes on in the corridor when their kids don't want to put the shoes on and get out of school appreciate the development of resilience and patience as a parent, basically. I think I was very driven. I was quite, I don't know what the type is in terms of a work, all the different paradigms you can get, you know, to analyze your working style. But I was hugely task-orientated and outcome-orientated in my early years of my career. I think becoming a parent, I became a lot more, not that I was unkind or cruel, or but that was very much the focus, right? Getting the job done. I think becoming a parent, really, my emotional intelligence and my emotional patience and my empathy and understanding just zoomed up 20 million fold. I'm probably portraying myself as some kind of, you know, gorgon or something, and that wasn't the case, but it really did, staying at home that long and really pivoting you know what you do to really support and enable these other people gave me a very different leadership style when I came back into work right I'm now much more about leadership of service and empowering and enabling people's careers and scaffolding their experience and enabling their development and I think you can see quite clearly how that relates to experience as a parent 
So I think it gave me that emotional intelligence with the management and the construction of teams. I feel so much more equipped to do that in light of my parenthood and the time that I spent at home. And that is the bulk of my job, right? As a program manager, it's a hugely um, emotional role, really. The work we do is very technically demanding. We're migrating onto a new platform. That's a new ask in terms of technical skill for a lot of the people in our organization. So we're learning all this new stuff. We're evolving new ways of working. We're taking on new responsibility all the time within the organization. All of that is challenging and tricky. And you've got to be able to build people's belief and confidence that they can do that and meet that challenge. So there's a huge emotional part of the program management role that's often ignored, I think, but it's fundamentally important in ticking all of those issues, risks and processes over. And that is the biggest, My, for me, in my own reflections, my parenthood is a huge part of that and why I'm successful in the job that I do today. Uh, and I think it's that combination of those sort of softer skills that have really combined with those sort of underlying sort of professional technical skills that you talked about from your early career, isn't it? So that resilience and patience and emotional intelligence, which you've now been able to kind of bring into your role on your return to work, which you feel has made you a much more effective leader and manager. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Absolutely. There you go. That was a very short answer, wasn't it? But absolutely <laughs> true. And I was talking with a friend yesterday, actually, who's who's a mum friend and been out of the workplace for 12 years. And she's trying to figure out how on earth she steps back in. And I was just trying to just really encourage her to be proud of the career gap that she's had. I think when I came out of university, there was very much this point of view of, oh my goodness, if you've been out of the workplace for two months, you must explain that on your CV. Where have you been? You might have been in jail. You know, like all of this kind of unrelenting focus on closing any gaps on your CV, right? And I was still very schooled in that mindset when I was seeking to re-enter the workplace and to move from a position of having to explain that to be from being defensive about that to really pointing out that actually I've done this, I've gained this. I did volunteer work and really to get my own mind um, and confidence back before I returned to the workplace. I felt like I needed to do that to kind of build up that professional identity in softer spaces first. The skills you gain in the first half of your career, you don't forget them, right? There are hardcore behaviours that basically stay with you. It was a relief and a surprise and an absolute joy to me how quickly I picked professional work back up when I re-entered into the workplace. And actually, there's so much as you come into the next stage of your career about that parenthood experience that is going to enable and your success because the more, the higher you go up in the career, then the more it does become about that emotional intelligence and leading increasing bunches of people and being able to read rooms and empathize and understand and coach and land messages and so on and so forth. To not be defensive about it, but be proud and to, you're valuable, right? We've got an awful lot we can bring and to try and hold on to that really, despite all of the uncertainty. It's easier said than done. I've been there myself. On the other side, I can totally see how much we have to offer and just how just committed and I guess loyal we are as employees as well, right? I'm enormously thankful to Sky for this opportunity and I feel intense loyalty to the teams who have given me 
this opportunity and committed to them. Yeah, wonderful. And I'd love that bit, Laura, that you talked about around actually being really proud of your career break and being proud of the reasons that you took it, being proud of the skills that you've developed. And also that it actually, it didn't take you all that long once you got back to get back up to speed again. No, and I was really quite amazed at how smooth that was because I'd taken quite a long trajectory to get back there in the first place, right? So I'd started to build up volunteer work and I'd started to pivot my brain into thinking about myself as a professional individual again and I'd done the work on LinkedIn I'd done the work on CV and I'd taken it quite slowly it felt like I needed to do that for my own confidence having been at workplace for such a long time in comparison to a lot of people but actually by the time therefore I got the job it was all quite smooth <laughs> which was Glorious, actually, and incredible relief. I was really interested to understand you did a lot of the, the preparation work, but even then, what was your experience of trying to get back into work? We know it's not always easy. What were some of the challenges that maybe you had to overcome along the way? It's quite interesting because I really, in terms of getting the job at Sky, it was quite straightforward. It was the first returnship I'd applied for, the first one I got. The reason that I went for Sky in the first place was because before I had my daughter, I'd worked there with Accenture and I'd had a really good time and I felt that I could bring a lot of value to that organisation. And so I didn't have too many problems in terms of getting the job because that was quite a targeted approach that I took and therefore likely to be more successful in that way. What I say the challenges were really from the point of view of building a mild confidence and being ready to put that application in, which I think took a long time, and more of the logistical front. Actually, by the time I got to the application, that really wasn't my primary concern because I don't think I'd have put it in if I wasn't ready and didn't feel quite confident about going into that specific place. It was more a logistical side, like how are the kids going to manage? Who's going to do the laundry? I remember building this entire spreadsheet, which was an incredibly consultancy thing to do, but it's kind of the way I organise my time, of every single domestic labour item that I used to cover and just actually working out who was going to do that right across myself and my husband or what we were going to pay for assistance with or what we we're going to ask for assistance with and so on and so forth. So it was that kind of gearing up of everybody else really to get their heads around the fact that I wasn't going to be at home and loading the dishwasher or the washing machine or making every supper on the table. That felt like more of a challenge at that point. I don't know if that's at all common with people's experience, but it was almost the job was ironically the least of my worries when I was gearing up for that massive transition of the family as a whole unit, actually. I remember being a lot more concerned about all the home stuff and making sure that ran well so that I could get my head into the right space for doing the day job. I think that's quite a, a common piece of feedback, actually, as you say, that if you know the home stuff is going to go smoothly, then you are able to focus on the job and feel like you're doing a good job. Mm. I have to say, though, I would love you to come and do a spreadsheet like that on my household and all the, <laughs> the duties and responsibilities that go on in, in my life. That sounds very useful, I have to say. Laura, really interested to hear about you saying that probably the hardest thing was about building your confidence to put the application in in the first place. What did you do to try and build that confidence? I started to listen to a lot of women returners seminars and sessions that they did. I didn't have a LinkedIn profile when I left my role in 2008 and because I think LinkedIn was only just coming in at that point. And so I didn't have that and I was conscious I didn't particularly, I hadn't updated my CV in donkey's years. And so I just started to listen in to these 
seminars about doing that. And it was very much trying to structure what felt like quite a overwhelming process into one thing at a time. So it was like I got the LinkedIn profile up, didn't have a particularly decent photo at that point, but that was fine. Just kind of got it up in ship shape in that way, worked on the CV, started just tracking those opportunities just for things that I was interested in, um, starting to think about how I'd answer interview questions, taking the voluntary experience, seeing how that related to work I'd done with project management in the past. I'd worked at my son's PTA on the installation of new items in the playground to make it a more, you know, joyful, creative experience. What does that work with? That involves managing different suppliers, getting all of that coordinated, working with the artist to design it, basically capturing the requirements from the school, building up a design, executing, you know, you could put it into that framework. And so I started to think about the work I'd done in the volunteer space in that kind of way to get those answers just in my head and nicely polished. Not to say my interview wasn't entirely nerve-wracking when I did it. Just trying to start to carve out those spaces of time where I just sit and blast and just get it done and face into it, really, as opposed to procrastinating and having another cup of tea. It's always very tempting to have another cup of tea. Uh, I I think it's really helpful. And when we talk a lot about breaking down what feels sometimes like a really overwhelming task, especially after you've been out on a career break for many years. And so really breaking it down to one step at a time and thinking through through all the things that you have done during your career break and actually pulling out the transferable skills that you've gained during that time, which are usually really valuable when you bring them back into the workplace. Yeah, and I think looking at job descriptions can really help with that and to start to just... It was very interesting to look at those opportunities come up and job descriptions around them and to start to try and translate that back. But also to reflect on, you know, what it is you want to do as well. I think... Again, to move this from this perspective of being grateful for any opportunity because you've been out of the job market for so long to actually what is it that I really enjoy and connect with. The reflection on your passions, they may well be different things from when you left the workplace however many years ago. I'm much more driven now by connectivity to others in the workplace. That's a huge part of what I do. Again, I think that's quite related to my experience as a parent and having that experience and wanting very invested in my direct reports, very proud to and privileged to work with them in the development of my careers. That's their careers. It's an enormous part of my job satisfaction. So I'm very driven by that. I'm very driven by vision, purpose of work. These are all things that the reflections that I took since being back in the workplace, really, and the different reflections to the ones that I would have had in the first part of my career. Again, just trying to go from that point of view of just being, oh, I've been out of the workplace for so long and I just need to accept kind of any role that comes along, which I think maybe is somewhat prevalent to actually being, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to be driven to get up every day and to go through the harder parts of work to achieve. This is what I want to do. And this is me, whatever that song is, right? But I'm trying to get something that connects to that and makes it all worthwhile. And that goes for anyone, right? That's not just a... A returner's point, um, trying to connect for that. But I think, you know, as you step back, it's a real opportunity as you step back in to really be quite explicit about that and really focus on what it is that drives you every day. And I did quite a lot of work on that front as well. Like I did Clifton Strength Test and various other things to really just reflect on how I work in the workplace and what matters to me in that setting. 
And it sounds like that enabled you then to be quite targeted in terms of your job search, which you found to be particularly effective rather than applying for loads of things, which may not have been been up your street at all. You know, think, thinking back to those kind of first couple of weeks or even a couple of months back at work, what were some of the highlights, but maybe also the challenges of, of actually being back at work? Well, I think the highlight was probably just the joy of knowing all those skills and behaviours that I thought were still there, were still there. In terms of being able to participate effectively in meetings, listen, play back people's problems, assess, analyse, develop requirements, use that creative thinking process to help solve people's problems and collaborate with them, right? That was an absolute joy seeing that I could do that from the get-go again. And seeing the respect of my colleagues come because it was clear I was Anning Valley, even though I didn't know the immediate detail of the department that I was in, there tend to be common structural elements that you can think about and analyse, which do bring clarity and insight early on. So that was an absolute joy to see that coming back. Challenges were really logistical and technical in that half the workplace applications that I was using didn't exist the last time I was in the office, right? So actually to get around all of those applications, remote working applications, Slack, I, I don't know, countless examples, right, of all that software that I didn't really experience. So that was the challenge, those kind of logistical quibbles or like first day of school, isn't it? Where's the toilet? Where's the canteen? Et cetera, et cetera. But just trying to be steady. I think what consultancy gives you is a great ability to rock up and just have the confidence of relying on those core skills and behaviors and the ability to ask questions to get the information that you need. So those were the challenges and the highlights really. The other challenges were just getting everybody used to the fact that I was out quite long days. I work full-time but longer days on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and shorter days on Thursday and Friday so I can do school pickup on Thursday and Friday because the first position that I did at Sky involved a lot of travel abroad. I go to Europe Monday to Wednesday so it felt very important to have the Thursday and Fridays for the school pickup. So it's really getting everybody used to that new dynamic and so on and so forth but I've got to say it was a very positive experience. Colleagues were very kind actually. Most people are fine that you're a returner, right? They're not going to be remotely bothered. It's going to be a bigger thing for you than it is for them. And they're just going to kind of see the value that you add and you're all just going to get on with it and then start to solve the next problem, right? Great. Thanks, Laura. And I, I think it's it's a lot of people on a career break are nervous about once they're actually back in, how are they going to get back up to speed again professionally? And you talked about the grounding from your early career, which gave you those skills. But were there other things that you did that sort of really helped you to get back up to speed one, once you were in, once you were started? And, and I guess how long did, did it take you to feel that you were in, at the place that you wanted to be? It's an interesting reflection because I don't know if still I'm in the place that I want to be and I want to really, and this is quite an important thing for me, right? I think to bring out in the sector that I work in, technology, we're in continual evolution all the time, right? We are always evolving and imagine that's a catchphrase that goes around a lot, but it's absolutely true in the we're still, the technology that I work with now, the Google Cloud Platform did not exist when I was in the last time in the office. 10 years down the road, I'm going to be working with an entirely different technology, right? So actually, the returnship was a massive step because it was a step back in my career. But then I moved on from the role that I came into Sky on the returnship 
and then moved into this massive program management role doing the Google with the migration to the Google Cloud platform, which I'd never done before, right? So that was another step up. That's another learning opportunity. And actually in the work I do, I look for those roles that are going to push me into new spaces and do new things. From There's a very simple kind of straightforward answer to the question in that six months to really feel at home, right? And back at Sky and to know the network and to really feel that I could know all the personalities involved in the department and get a grip with the subject matter and so on and so forth. But I'm still learning new things and I'm still not where I want to be in terms of ultimately where my overall ambition and career lies. I still want to move up or do I, or do I want to rinse and repeat or, you know, so the returnship is one step on a journey of your continual development, right? And then when you get into the returnship and settled, you're going to be looking for the next challenge or the next opportunity or the, the next thing you're going to learn. I guess so what I'm trying to say is that it's not a static thing, right? It's not the returnship and then job done. It's one step on your journey, learning journey, as it were. Sounds a little bit tacky and cheesy, but it's true. And maybe that helps with the nerves if you think about it in that way, right? One foot forward at a time. But you're going to gain and you're going to grow and you're going to transform on the back of that experience. And then who knows where it can take you, really? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's probably helpful to think about the fact that everybody is always growing and learning and evolving. And with technology changing so quickly, actually, it's not just you that's left behind. Everybody is having to move forward continually. So that kind of takes the pressure off in a way. I'd be really interested to hear you talked briefly about your working pattern. And we know that it kind of that finding a sense of balance is, is tricky for all of us a lot of the time, but it can be particularly tricky when you return to work after a break. Now, Laura, we know that you were also recently awarded a, a TimeWise Power Returner Award, which does celebrate those who are in senior roles and, and who work flexibly. How do you think that flexible working has helped you maybe maintain a sense of balance? And what else have you found has helped in terms of, of your balance? Working flexibly 100% has enabled me to have those touch points with the kids at the end of the week. And, you know, it's a question of what is balanced and fair for you, right? I'm more than happy to travel for my work Monday to Wednesday. But then if I'm going to travel for my work and not physically be in the same space as the kids Monday to Wednesday, then it's critically important for me to get those touch points. And at the end of the week, I'm just trying to carve out times of moments of zen, as John Stewart would say on The Daily Show when I used to watch that, right? So I sit opposite these French doors and I'm looking out into the garden right now and it's a lovely blue sky. And so that gives me a moment of balance to just try and, you know, focus or reset myself or looking at the birds in the garden or going out for a walk around the block or all of that kind of stuff is something that I try very much to do throughout the working day as well. I always try and take a walk at lunchtime just to get that moment of calmness outside the building and to build the energy up and so it's really about trying to figure out what you need to do what is the right balance for you and I remember the incredible recruiter for the returners program when I was exploring the ideas of how the role could shape up just saying tell me what you need tell me what you need and we at Sky will try and make that work right and that was an incredibly empowering message to receive and he was absolutely wonderful and I thank him for saying that every day really because to hear that when you've been out of the office for such a long time was such an incredible gift just a really great thing that really zoomed my confidence up right throughout that entire process actually I think I was a different person 
at the start of the process than I was to the end of the recruitment process in terms of my level of belief and confidence. And that's a large part down to that recruitment process. So I think just be confident in what you want to ask for, right? Because of the value you will bring, you've got a good shot getting it. Brilliant. And how fantastic that the recruitment process itself could be so empowering. So Laura, now back a few years, when you kind of reflect back on your experience, what are some of the things that you are most proud of, both personally and professionally, in your return to work journey? On the programme that I work on right now, I'm hugely proud of the culture that I've been able to create on that program, actually. Google write quite extensively on the approach to psychological safety and how it enables high-performing teams. And I feel like we've really established that on the program. So that, I think, is a really wonderful accomplishment of um, my career, actually, taking on this program. It was bigger in scale than anything I'd worked on before. It was a new technology, so really taking that and making it work and making it a thing, an identifiable thing that people could feel, respond to, is something I'm enormously proud of. That's from the professional point of view, I think personally making it all work, actually, day to day, up, down, wobbles, COVID. Who'd have thought? I'm hugely proud of that personally. So, yeah, I think just kind of day to day making it all work really is what I'm most proud of and being able to reflect on the lessons that this program has taught me, the role before that's taught me, taking those forward, working out the next steps of my career, what it is I want to do, increasing insight to myself as a leader, the kind of cultures that I want to build going forward, all of that really. That's wonderful. And it sounds like, you know, so, so many things to be proud of. And I like the way you talked about, yes, there's those professional elements, but there's also lots of the personal stuff too in terms of the learning and insights about yourself for the way that you'd like to work. Laura, we had one last question for you. And now you've you've been through the kind of the returner journey yourself. What advice would you have for other people who might be on a career break and, and who might be thinking about returning to work? I think you just gotta do it, right? You just gotta go for it. I know it's terrifying. Like I don't think I've ever been as terrified as I was going down for that interview at Sky, having not interviewed for anything. So when was that interview? 2000, uh, golly, 18. And bear in mind, I hadn't interviewed for anything since my interview with Accenture in 2000, right? So that's 18 years gap of interview experience. I felt very old and very out of date. That train journey, I can tell you that much. But you've just got to go for it, right? And I think what really helped me was the idea of everything as progress, right? If it's not this job, it will be another job. But this job will give you the interview experience that sets you up. This interview, even if it's not that job, will give you experience that enables you to be more polished for the next one, which will suit you. And you'll get an increasing idea of what it is you want and who you are coming back into the workplace through all the experiences that you engage on so they're all valuable even if they don't work out in exactly the way that you want them to at that time just try and take it in that learning mindset and that's very much what I try and do every day right every kind of challenge that comes along you know it's an opportunity to learn we're all learning together I remind that on the particularly horrible red sticky ones so you know to really have that mindset and to just try and go for it. And I know that's incredibly difficult and incredibly tiring, terrifying, but 
it's a mountain, but you can only climb it one step at a time, right? So you just got to do it and get on and do those first bits and see the way it's going to build from there. And good luck to everyone because being there, and I'd say really I'm still there in terms of learning and evolving and all that kind of stuff. So good luck to all concerned. I'm sure that will be much appreciated. And I, you know, thank you for admitting how terrified you were, because I think there is such a common experience for other returners that, that we speak to, but also just that very wise sage bit of advice of, look, just take one step at a time, just do something, take some action, and that, and that will move yourself forward. Laura, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you today, and thank you so much for sharing your journey, some of those challenging bits along the way. I think for me, probably the one thing that really stuck with me out of that was how your the skills and strengths that you've developed from being a parent that you've really been able to apply back in the workplace that, you know, to, if I think back to Karen's introduction, that have made you actually a much better and more rounded um, manager than, than you maybe were previously. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. about Laura's story, Anna, one of the things I thought was really valuable was how Laura talked about building up her confidence to return back to work. Yeah, and and we find very often that the sense of professional confidence or or what makes you a confident professional can be a real challenge, a real struggle for returners as they start thinking about returning back to work. Yes, I think especially if you've had a long career break, it can feel really overwhelming to think about going back. So one of the things that Laura mentions, which I'd wholeheartedly agree with, is to break down all the things you think you'll need to do into a series of steps and to approach them just one step at a time. And if you're thinking about those steps, you know, one of the first steps that we would recommend that's also going to help to build your professional confidence back up is take some time to reflect on your strengths. So strengths are those things that we're good at, but that also we're energised by, that uh, that we enjoy doing. And if you're thinking about, well, how do I, you know, figure out what my strengths are, it can be helpful, for example, to use an online tool like StrengthsFinder. It also can be helpful to take the time to reflect on some key thoughts and questions. So things like, actually, well, what did my previous managers and colleagues, what did they really value in me? What about my family and friends? What would they say my strengths are? And actually, you know, what would an ideal work morning look like for me? What do I really enjoy doing? So taking that time to reflect on your strengths can really help to build your confidence, to remind yourself actually what makes you a confident professional and why would employers look to hire you? Yeah, and I think as well as strengths, there's also really important to take some time to think about all your skills and experience that you've developed both before your break and during your break. So sometimes we hear returners are so quick to dismiss their break, but but many of them will have gained some really valuable transferable skills during their break through volunteering or, or other activities. So think about what these are for you and, and how you might then use them when you're back at work. And then alongside taking that time to reflect on your skills, your expertise, your experience, as well as your strengths, what we found is actually it can be really, really helpful, as as Karen talked about, to make a plan and actually continue to take action against that. And doing something practical that really moves you forward will in itself help to build your confidence and also some momentum in your journey. Yeah. So... I think talking very practically, this could be updating your CV um, or developing your LinkedIn profile if you haven't got one, taking a course to refresh your technical skills so you feel more confident in an area, and then beginning to connect with, with possible contacts within LinkedIn to help you really explore some areas of interest. 
we know that one of the key things that can help to build your confidence back up is actually taking some action, you know, achieving some tasks, being able to tick some things off, taking some actual steps can move you forward just one step at a time in your return to work journey. Thanks for joining us today and we really hope that this story will inspire you to take the next step in your own return to work journey. Do tell your friends and family about the Career Returners podcast and when you get a moment, we'd love you to subscribe, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. A big thank you again to Credit Suisse for supporting us to create this podcast series. Credit Suisse has supported professionals on a career break to successfully return to work for many years. Take a look at their Real Returns program if you're thinking about returning to work. With a focus on transferable skills, the programme has been important in opening new career directions for returners across the years. And if you're looking for more advice and guidance in your own return to work journey, we're here to support you. Visit us at womenreturners.com and sign up to our free returners network to hear about returner opportunities and join our growing community of returners in our Facebook group. We look forward to you joining us again for the next episode of the Career Returners podcast. Podcast.